Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast, the 2021 season preview, is brought to you by Kyle's Kitchen, proud sponsors of UCSB Athletics and UCSB Baseball. Kyle's Kitchen will be providing individual box lunches for the players this year for every single home game, all 34 of them, and we cannot thank Kyle's Kitchen enough for their continued support of UCSB Baseball. Well, yes, you heard it right. It is the 2021 season preview podcast. I've been looking forward to this one for, well, ever since we started the podcast because it's uh, this is a big one. Uh, I think it's the might be the longest podcast that I've done. Maybe the Bill Guy Vet one uh, challenges this as far as duration goes, but we've got uh, head coach Andrew Checkets talking about the schedule and everything that uh, went into scheduling all the games, and we're talking about the rosters and players that have impressed him and just some of the, the parodies that we're anticipating seeing throughout the season and um, just expressing our excitement. And then David and Spencer, the, the analytics crew, UCSB analytics joins uh, to talk about the schedule as well. And, and some of the things that they have seen in the, the uh, scrimmages that we've had over the last couple of weeks in preparation for the opening series. And then at the tail end, we will talk to Spencer Erdman, who is uh, the new volunteer assistant coach, uh, he's coming from Santa Barbara City College and played at LMU, and uh, he's been a great addition to the coaching staff. So we got Coach Checkets, UCSB Analytics, and then Spencer Erdman on this 2021 season preview podcast. Again, we're just days away from the first game of 2021. It's been a long year, and we are excited to get it going against Santa Clara this Friday. Okay, let's do it. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America. The Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one strike pitching. Mitchell belts this to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. And Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? There's the 0-2 pitch. And a curveball is swung on him in. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 All right, our guest today is uh, head coach Andrew Checkets. And Checks, when I was thinking of a way to kick this off, the first thing that came to mind was the fact that it's been a year unlike any other, and we're about to embark upon a baseball season that will probably be unlike any other, at least college baseball. And I was thinking about how I've I can remember like all of these little details and specific days and moments over the past eleven months, like from when the season last year was canceled through the summer, through the fall, through the winter to where we get now. And I was trying to think back of like previous years. It's, this is like the first year that I, that really stands out probably in a while for me. Like the last 10 years have kind of all been mudded together at this point uh, since I've been at UC Santa Barbara. Like coming here was a big moment. Like I remember making the decision, uh, my personal decision to come to school here, but I haven't really had uh, a year like we have had in the past or like we've had this past year. So my question is to kick this off, like when was the last time you had a a year or 
a moment that really impacted you like this past year has had? Because I don't know, maybe 2016, that one kind of stands out now that I mention it going to the college world series, but is there something that can compare to the impact that this past year has had on, on yourself personally and as a coach? My first pandemic too, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully my last. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. That's a tough question. I mean, we're talking about things that you remember and you'll look back at and, you know, 10 years from now, we'll look back at the, COVID year and hopefully it's COVID year and not COVID years, but I mean, we don't know how long this is going to drag on for and, and go for hopefully um, the vaccinations start getting rolled out at a faster pace and we're able to get through this uh, quicker. But um, yeah, I think you have, you have some of those moments. So usually they're the high moments that you remember, you know, I remember going to a regional in uh, 2012 at UC Riverside in our second year, um, my second year being there, their third year division one, remember the 07 big West championship that I got married that year. So that's a big one. That one, that particular year was a big one. I, I, Michelle and I got married that year. We won the big West ended up getting the job at Oregon. So that from a personal standpoint, that was a, that was a big one. Then you've got all the, you know, a lot of, a lot of the years here that have been you know, the host and they're all, all those high highlights. This one's a little bit just, Weird. <laughs> weird, man. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even know. I mean, even last year, it was even when it happened and the you know COVID hit and we got we didn't play. It didn't seem real, and then all of a sudden, just went from not playing to the World Series getting canceled to the season getting canceled just in the blink of an eye, and it just didn't feel real for you know, a couple of weeks, I think all the guys were there was just shock. And then about three weeks into it and you thought, Oh, this is real. <laughs> this, is, this is really happening. So, um, and it's been a lot of new different things since then, you know, trying to continue to do what we can to build the program and, um, help get our guys to be better, get our guys to be better and improve. And I'm doing that, you know, different ways via zoom and a lot of, a lot of uh, COVID protocols. It's certainly challenged your your abilities as a head coach. It's challenged your organizational skills. It's challenged your patience and mine too, and and everybody who's been involved. It's it's challenged a lot of things, and a lot of people have been up to the task. And as we sit here on this Monday night, we are playing baseball against another school on Friday, and it's culmination of a of a long year, and and we've entered a week where after that Oregon State series and, and UNLV was on their way here and then they get sent home and the season is done and we don't play baseball f- until October. Like this was a week that didn't seem like it would come uh, early on, like March, April, May. It just seemed like, well, where are we going to be at the start of next season? But here we are. And I am particularly excited and I would imagine that you are sharing some of the same excitement that goes into the start of a season. I'm, I'm trying to judge your, your facial expression. You're like looking at me like, why are you giving me all these long-winded questions? You're trying to be... We're reminiscing before we started the season. <laughs> <laughs> that, just, that just shows how much confidence I have that, that we're going to make this thing work. But what we're 
58 game schedule, 40 games in conference, 34 home games, 24 on the road, lots of mixing and matching with the schedule. And we had out of state schools that were initially planned to come here. And those obviously had to be uh, canceled and, and rearranged, but somehow we put together a, a full schedule and there's a lot of good teams on this schedule. And what, what was it like putting it together? What was your strategy uh, as far as putting the, the game schedule together for this year? Cause it was, it was kind of a, an amoeba in many, at many different times. It just changed all the time. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fluid. I think I, I, we have a good schedule and I feel, I feel pretty fortunate that scheduling is always some work and we're usually two or three years, sometimes four years out ahead of it. And this particular schedule, you know, we'd had almost wrapped up two years ago um, for the 21 schedule before we had the, the COVID issues and some of the changes that were made. So, you know, originally we had Minnesota coming here for the opening uh, weekend and then uh, we lost them fairly early. Sac State was able to slide in there. Then we lost them. Um, they had some some COVID issues that they were dealing with. We were dealing with some of our own stuff as well. And um, so we pulled the plug and then it looks like they're going to be able to play. Reggie actually called me and said, hey, I, we, we weren't trying to, they're going to go play at Arizona State. I think he felt like maybe he'd, he'd pulled the plug a little bit too early is what he said. We wanted to get his guys out there to play. So, which for us is, you know, we're, everybody's just trying right now and scrambling and we had we we're talking about maybe playing two games against Sac State because it didn't look like either one of the teams were going to be ready to go out for a three-game set with the pitching and and um and then Santa Clara came available three with three games and so after we scrimmaged uh, our first time felt like we, were, we had a chance to be ready to play three games so um I called Reggie and let him know that we had we had three that you know, and they, they, they still were unsure. And so anyways, it worked out great for both of us. They're going to a state. We've got a three game homestand. Um, and there's been, there hasn't been a lot of other moving parts really. I mean, once the conference decided they were going to go four game sets, essentially that wiped out all of our midweek games. So the, the scheduling there was just letting everybody know that we weren't going to be able to play them on a Tuesday. So we weren't, didn't have to scramble to try to find games. Uh, and then we were supposed to play in the Tony Gwynn Classic, which which we won the inaugural one in 2016, I believe. It was 16, right, Kev? Yeah, yep. the World Series team. Um, and uh, Pepperdine came open, and so I think I think the this was just a few weeks ago. Um, and I think the San Diego State uh, tournament they were up in the air whether they're going to be able to pull off a 16 tournament down there. So. We had, we, we talked to San Diego state and they decided that they were going to, you know, have partner those teams up and not, not have six people, six teams at one site. And so we, uh, we ended up scheduling Pepperdine, which ended up being great. We don't have to, we don't actually get, have to stay in a hotel until our opening weekend at Fullerton. So um, we're home for three of those series. And then our Pepperdine series is a Friday, Sunday bus trip down their way. So um so it wasn't as ugly as I thought it was going to be. Um, now we'll see what happens over the next, you know, how much shuffling we have. And if you lose games and, you know, one of the negatives to the four game series is that if you lose, I mean, lose that weekend, you lose four games. But uh, I think the reality is if you're losing that because you have an issue in, in house, you're, you're losing your midweek game too. You're probably, probably out for two weekends. So, um, 
I like the I like the four game sets. I like the consistency of that. I like the you know I think the cadence for the testing works well for the 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 um, the league to be able to test on you know that Wednesday and Thursday Wednesday slash Thursday and then you'll play for the weekend and and come back and test again the the following Wednesday. I think it it lends itself to some consistency some consistency with practice. You know, everybody across the country was short with practice from, you know, missing either early January, like most of January, like we did or missing the fall. Um, so I, I like the thought of having three full practice days um, during the week. I think that's could be good for our team and the other teams in the league. Yeah. Well, you mentioned consistency and with all the challenges that are involved in, in trying to put together a season, with the the testing and travel and being prepared on the field and being healthy and getting umpires and game management, all this stuff that goes involved, it's, it's trying to be consistent. And what I, I love what you were, were pushing for was getting consistency within the conference. So all the games are going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's, there's even, we're going to play Easter Sunday, we're going to play the, the last Sunday of the year, which are traditional Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. And then there's no midweeks. So it keeps the, the testing consistent. It keeps your practice schedule consistent. It keeps the travel and, and the games consistent. So you can fall into this routine where you're practicing these sound. Uh, I'm trying to not be redundant here, but you're in a good routine and that creates a better environment to be test negative and get these guys on the field to play baseball games, which is the ultimate goal. And I feel like in some cases, if, if there are variations that jut into the routine, then that might create issues. And looking through the schedule, like I, I see it as consistent as it gets, which I think is going to be valuable when we're going through the course of this year. Yeah, yeah. The only the only way it gets more consistent if we, is if we play a four game set opening weekend and we play UCLA for four. I actually called John to play see if they wanted to play four, but their league's not playing four game sets on the weekend. They're playing three, so it doesn't make sense for them to them to do it. They to, they want to stay on their own cadence. And um, but yeah, it, it does. And what, what what I found with a lot of the practice planning in the fall and a lot of the you know the stuff that we've been doing is. Um, and there's always a lot of work on the practice plan. You've got a lot of moving a lot, parts, a lot of work, folks, a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. You were probably working on it before we started recording. You can admit I was doing that. Yeah. yeah. I was getting ready. Yeah. And it's just, it, that's the nature of the sport is it's, it's so unique where you've got all these teams within the team because you've got you know, short stops that might need to do something different than the catchers that need to do something different than the pitchers. And you've got to coordinate the time. And, and then we've got the added layer of the COVID issues with, you know, who can come when and what group and what time and, you know, who shouldn't overlap. And um, so it was, it was a jigsaw puzzle for sure. And I think the, 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 when you talk about the consistency of it, what I'm looking forward to is not having to redo that thing every single week yeah. <laughs> and go, yeah, we're going to practice at this time. And this group is going to hit at this time. And this, you know, there is some of that, that once we get into the season, now we can start to do. And I, I've, I've felt this way and some of it's self-inflicted, but you're just, 
you spend so much time just figuring out when somebody's going to get there and have a wristband and their temperature check, you know, and what time and how long they're going to be there that you're spending a little less time on what you're actually doing on those moments when they're there, because you, you're, and you just, there's, there's a lot of volume to it. And so I, I'm looking forward to the consistency of the season, those practice dates where, you know, we know what time they're coming and, and maybe are, at least for me, I know the assistant coaches, um, you know, put a lot of time and thought into what they're doing, you know, once I actually give them the schedule. Um, but from, uh, from my perspective, it allows me to have my brain on what we're actually doing versus just how long we're standing there and how we got there and what, it is, what, what where they're exiting in the ballpark. It, it is important to teach them about baseball things. <laughs> which is ultimately what you and Matt and Dylan and your volunteer assistant Spencer Erdman want to I thought do. That's the mask police. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us just can't resist. Mask up. Mask up. Well, so the schedule. So there's. Uh, it's all. It's all West Coast schools, uh, with the exception of uh, the trip to Hawaii uh, in conference. But so forty Big West games. Then 11 games against West Coast Conference schools, Santa Clara, Pepperdine, and San Francisco, and then seven against the Pac-12. Gauchos were 4-0 against the Pac last year, FYI. Uh, four, four against Oregon. And, five, five, but who's counting? <laughs> four against Oregon and uh, three against UCLA. And that, that UCLA series, which is towards the end of the season, uh, it's in uh, beginning of May, May 14th through the 16th, and when we talk about the Gauchos' opportunities to play in the postseason, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. Bear with me. But there is some strategy in scheduling. And in the Big West, the Gauchos have a bye week late in the year. And it's nice to have a quality opponent in that spot to earn you some RPI points. And there's a lot of arguments throughout college baseball as far as postseason goes and RPI and regional bias and stuff like that. And this year will be interesting because most schools will be playing within their region uh, and all the conferences, their layouts are, are different. Uh, you said the WAC is doing four game sets. The big West is doing four game sets. PAC is doing normal three game. I think the, uh, the mountain West is doing Saturday, double headers, Sunday, single game, no games, Friday, uh, Lots of different variations. Some schools are doing midweeks. Some aren't. Uh, it, it, it all depends on the school, the region, the county, the uh, it's public, private, all that stuff goes into it. But having UCLA at the end of this year on the schedule is pretty valuable as far as uh, getting some RPI points at the end of the year if the Gauchos continue to play like they did last year. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what was the question, Kevin? <laughs> this is a discussion, obviously. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. UCLA obviously is you know brand name opponent. They've they're they're highly ranked, and you know hopefully at that point of the year we're in a position where those games you know matter. Um, and it'll, it's really going to be interesting. You know what they do, what they, the NCAA does with the RPI. I mean, it's already a a metric that the West coast schools hate because it, there's so much regional bias to it and the way the math works. Um, 
you know, with the amount of teams we have on the West Coast, it has a tendency to drag our RPI more towards the middle. Um, and so you see sometimes at the bottom end with the at-large bids, the NCAA will, will try and factor that in. And you'll see that where you'll see maybe a like that we got in with a 54. I can't remember if that was the exact number, but it was a mid-50s in, in 2013. Um, and, you know, that felt like a bone. We, and we had played well. We finished second and had won like seven series in a row. And, and we were good. We, we put up a fight in the regional that year. Um, but that, you know, that um, – I lost my train of thought, Kevin. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's a long way from, from now. And we just – we hope that we get there. So that we can be. Yeah, I know what I was going to say. Sorry, I'm, I'm back. The is I don't I don't know how they're going to how they're going to use the RPI this year. If everybody's playing fairly regionally, there's going to be some limited games played, games missed, um, and you know, for a metric that already seems skewed and feels overused by the the NCAA, um, especially you know, like the host sites, they just pretty much go straight down the list of one through 18 the last few years, you know, maybe there's an outlier at 20 or 21, but, um, for, um, for our conference, you know, I'm hoping they don't, they don't use the RPI quite as much. So I do think, you know, games went, you could separate yourself by winning games. So if you play more and you win more, I think you could potentially separate yourself by having, you know, a lot of wins. Um, and maybe that's a metric that, the NCA will use. Um, and it's something that's maybe not controllable for some other teams, but I think it is something that's going to stand out. So we scheduled heavy with 58 games. We tried to schedule 59. Um, if I, if we would have got out on the field early enough in January, we probably would have scheduled 60 um, or try, tried to schedule 60, but we're a little bit behind right now. You know, you've seen it at practice where there's still some, some dust we're kicking off the boots from, uh, from winter break. Okay, well, let's talk about the team then, since it's a deep roster, 40, 48, 48 guys at this at this point, and it, it like rolling through batting practice uh, before a scrimmage. You know, the first the first team essentially comes and hits for an hour, and then the second team comes and hits for an hour, and it's four groups <laughs> in each offensive rotation. I mean, there's there's just a lot of players to go through, which means there's going to be a lot of talent and which means there's going to be difficult decisions for, um, for you, uh, difficult decisions, but probably a difficult decision that you are happy to deal with because you're going to have lots of guys who could play, who could fit into multiple positions uh, on the field and in the lineup. And then lots of guys who will have the ability to toe the rubber at any point in the series. So do you have some, returning impact guys and some new face impact guys who have stood out for you, who you think will be in the lineup card come this weekend and, and the, the beginning of the season. Yeah. Since we've been back in January, I think that the obvious one would be Brock Mortensen, the transfer from quest to college and Homer, I think three times in this first, uh, gosh, first three, either sim scrimmages or, or scrimmages. Um, and, He's physical. He can run left-handed hitter, natural center fielder. I don't know if he'll 
he'll stick there. We'll see. Um, we're moving him around right now. Probably, probably a corner outfielder, but he could play center field for us as well. Um, he's been, he's been pretty good and, and is physical and he's a, a football player at Cal Poly his freshman year before going to Cuesta. And so pretty athletic. Um, the, you know, the returner that's, um, or returners that have, have stood out, um, you know, Cole Cummings has been really hot in January and then, uh, Nick vote, you know, he's homered a couple of times and shown some power and, and blasted some balls. So those guys have really performed well offensively. And there's a number of other guys. I think the, I think the lineup is much more difficult than the pitching um, to, to sort through. Some of that is we haven't scrimmaged as much as we normally would, so we haven't got a chance to see as many at-bats, um, especially since we got back in January. Um, and some of it is I think there's some, you know, we've got 12 guys um, that we think can play offense, um, you know, for nine spots. And uh, there's not, you know, not many years where you feel like you've got 12 guys that are fighting their way in the lineup. Usually you got about five that you feel pretty sure about and then you're <laughs> rotating it's, nice, it's a nice problem to have is what i'm saying yeah yeah they gotta they have to go perform but you know the the pitchers really i felt like pitched well in the fall and at the end of the fall were in a really good place i it felt like they were in a really good but then but that was challenging for the offense the offense struggled in the fall and part of it is they hadn't played in a long time and i think it takes a while the other part of it is they're facing pretty good pitching um but since we've been back, you know, the, the offenses feel like they've put some pressure on our pitchers and uh, a lot more, a lot more pressure than they did in the fall. And, um, you know, they're not a finished product by any means, but I think, I think I felt pretty good about, feel pretty good about how the offense has done um, since we've gotten back and the pitchers feel like they're a little behind, you know, where they, where they were, it doesn't feel like we're back to where we were at the end of the fall, which was, you know, eight weeks of practice. We're, you know, week four right now. Yeah, well, if you're going off of last year and you talk about pitching strategy going into this year, my my mind goes to, well, it's just a rinse and repeat because Tora, McGreevy, Boone, Dan, Roberts, all back. And that was the core of that team that had the the top ERA in the nation. And all those guys are back. So your weekend rotation no matter the order of who's pitching Friday or Sunday, like it's essentially going to be the same, but then you throw in the wrinkle of there's going to be two games on Saturday. So since you have 12 guys in the offensive pool who could play, like does having that extra game on, on Saturday help you as a coach get guys ABs on, you know, they're not like missing a day or you can play around with the lineup a little bit more. And then on the pitching side, like who's going to be that fourth starter that that toes the rubber? Yeah, I think the the fourth game is going to give us you know an opportunity to give some guys oper- you know the the chance that maybe you wouldn't get in a three game set. And some of it is you're just going to be forced to do it. You're going to have to you're going to have to catch two catchers. You can't catch you know on a weekend. You can't catch one catcher all weekend. Um, somebody's going to have to they're going to, have to split that double header. You you know you're going to have guys that you're not going to want to wear down and you know get them out of the game when when you have a lead um, where you're down big to get some other guys in there and get them off their feet a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, I think those early games, those early doubleheader games are going to be, you know, we want to win and we, we want to give ourselves the best chance to win, but 
we're going to have to run some guys in and out um, to, to give them some opportunities. And, you know, the, the like pitching side is a little bit um, easier to figure out with those three guys, uh, I, you know, uh, Corey Lewis, Ryan Harvey, Carter Benbrook, and um, JD Callahan are competing for that fourth spot in the rotation. And we could we could start somebody like a Roberts or a Dan if we needed to. Um, feel like they're too valuable in the pen for us and experienced to to want to do that. Um, but those other four guys are you know have been competing for that that spot. And you know right now for you know I, I haven't announced anything, but if I had to pick today, it'd be Corey Lewis and. Um, which is a pretty cool story. You know, he got hurt in high school and then came in and was way behind last year and, you know, looked like a, a fish out of water and uh, to go from that to, you know, being in the rotation. And he's been good. 90-92 with, you know, five pitches. He's got a knock and um, a real knock that you'd throw in a game. And um, <clears throat> I, I went back and looked at his fall stats and, you know, he struck out over a guy in inning and walked two guys in the last six months not giving up very many hits. So, um, you know, he seems like the person that has thrown the ball the best. Now he's also the least, ex has the least experience of those four guys, but, um, and all those other guys have a role, you know, Ryan Harvey's got a big fastball and he's going to, he's going to throw some high leverage endings, whether it's at the front of the game or the back of the game. And, you know, JD can really pitch off that change up. And so he's got a chance to get some swings and misses, you know, and even JD you know, makes some sense out of the bullpen because he's, the changeup's so good. He's tough on left-handers and we're a little light, you know, out of the bullpen left-handed. So having somebody, and it's one of the reasons why Roberts is, you know, a nice back-end guy because of that, the changeup being able to get, get left-handed hitters out as, as well as right-handers. Um, so Roberts is, is so unique. I don't think I've ever seen a pitcher like him, at least uh, since I've been here at UC Santa Barbara. I mean, it's his, his changeup is like a left-handed slider. And then he's got his right-handed slider. It's like he's got the same pitch going both ways. Yeah, yeah his, his sinker's gotten better, and he's added some velocity this year. And he also added a little cutter to to try and keep left-handers off him and to get in there a little bit. And so um, he was really good at the end of the fall, you know, ninety ninety-three and three pitches. So I, he he had a great year last year, but he he was doing that with a you know an eighty-eight mile an hour fastball. So. If the Gauchos have these, I'm not going to call them problems. These are, are good things to have with uh, with a deep roster, and it's unlimited rosters uh, this year for, for the NCAA. That being said, other teams are probably going to have similar issues, similar benefits to having so many guys. So with the roster size, how do you think that will affect – the play out the the outcome of the season and and the way the series are played because it's not going to be traditional with three games where you got the, the Friday Saturday Sunday guy and you're probably seeing the same reliever maybe two out of three uh, games of the weekend like do you think the deep rosters will make it more competitive overall uh, throughout the eleven teams in the conference? Yeah, I do. I, do. I think you know. I think nationally the. Um the way everything shook out last year hurt the better teams, you know, the teams that had yes. five round draft picks, um, you know, Vandy still in UCLA lost a, a bunch of guys. Um, now they probably got more recruits in, but those are younger players. Um, so I think the top, top 
teams, um, I think it hurt them the most. The teams that, um, you know, as ourselves that have good talent, but didn't have, you know, anybody going in the top five rounds. Um, and some of the other teams in our league that I think are, were like that and were on their way to having good years, you know, they, they got everybody back. Um, Long Beach lost a couple of guys, but they had enough in the, rock, in the stable to, to be good. So um, I think for, you know, our league, I think this has a chance to be a banner year because, of, again, some of those top teams are, you know, maybe, maybe not um, – maybe lost a lot of their lineup. You've got a bunch of older lineups uh, in our conference and there's going to be experience. And I do think baseball is going to be sloppy um, early based on what I'm seeing from some practice stuff, but the talent <laughs> on the field is going to get a chance to be uh, pretty, pretty good. And so, yeah, we like our team, but I think there's a lot of teams that like their team right now. Yeah. Going through the conference, I mean, Long Beach, they were they were really down in 19, and they looked to like they were going to bounce back in a, in a big way last year. They they were 10 and five. Hawaii had some good arms. They were nine and six. CSUN was off to a good start. They were 10 and five. The, there's some new head coaches in the league, and there's there's two new teams: UC San Diego and Cal State Bakersfield. Uh, UC San Diego, they they were in the the D2 College World Series two years ago. They were 17 and four last year. I mean, they've been really good. We've seen D2 teams like how Baptist a couple years ago come up and, and be really competitive that first year uh, at the new level. So there's going to be a, a lot of good teams in the Big West. Are there a couple teams that stand out to you that the Gauchos are going to have to keep their eyes on? Yeah, there's a lot, and I think I think it's as good as the league has been and um, I in a while you know last two years it was a one bid league and you know, after being a league that was consistently a two to four bid league so um i do think the league was bouncing back uh, last year you know long beach it, the start that they got the people that they beat um i think they've got some higher profile guys on that on that team that are that are good coach balance does a really good job clearly so um you know, but I, you know, I think Cal Poly is going to be good. I think Irvine's going to be good. I think, you know, Fullerton's got, they're going to, you know, they're going to bounce back and have plenty of talent and, um, and, you know, Irvine's got an ace back and Fullerton's got an ace back. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I think it's going to be competitive and, you know, I mean, Hawaii went and almost beat Vandy two out of three at Vandy. They, they ended up, they had them on the ropes and ended up giving up the lead the ninth that, uh, that Sunday. Um, and so when, you know, when the league was performing well, so I, I think, I think it's going to be really competitive and I think injuries are going to play a, a huge part in it. Like the team that can stay healthy, um, not just from a COVID perspective, but from a, a physical perspective, you know, they're really set up to be in a situation to, to, to win the conference. Yeah, if if anyone has been paying attention to the professional sports when they've bound, when they've come back after a, a short layoff or they didn't have a full training camp, uh, a similar similar situations to what college baseball teams are having to deal with, where when and this is hopefully fingers crossed, everyone stays as healthy as possible. But when you get into the full competition, the NFL saw injuries in the first couple of weeks, the NBA saw some injuries the first couple of weeks, so. It's. I don't want to say that it's bound to happen, but it's teams that will that can dodge bullets that will probably wind up having 
an advantage over the other teams, uh, staying healthy. I mean, you want to stay healthy regardless, no matter what year it is, but this year it will definitely be something to, to watch out for, especially in the first month of the season when everyone's getting back up to speed. So do you have like a, a series non-conference and in-conference that is going to be pivotal for the Gauchos this year? Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know me, the next one, Santa Clara. <laughs> we got to get through Friday. You know, I think that's you know, the reality of it right now is get, get through Friday and be ready for that. I, I don't, uh, you know, I always, I always look forward to the, the Cal Poly ones, but they've had their way with us. Um, and sore subject. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The last we got the years. last laugh though. Yeah, yeah. The last three years, so they they they've had their way with us. So it'd be nice to figure out that Rubik's cube. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I really just looking forward to Santa Clara and playing as many as we can, trying to stay healthy. Okay, I, I'm I'm pretty amped. This is gonna be like the longest podcast uh, of the year, the the season preview podcast. Uh, cause we're gonna have David and Spencer next, and then we'll have Spencer Erdman uh, at the end. So it's exciting times, exciting times. How's the check household holding up is will chomping at the bit to get to the field and hit balls off the tee, or are you able to, to, uh, what's the word? Are you able to do something in lieu of, of that? Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't we haven't been to the cages since they shut school down. So it's been not not at school. So I got a tea in the backyard and <laughs> some of that stuff. But um, I think he, yeah, I think the whole family would like to come out and watch, and he'd like to come run around. But yeah, you know, Zoom school and backyard PE in the morning, and um, I try not to dunk on him too much when we're, we're playing basketball. But um, so he can hold his own. He'll kick me in the shins. That's, that's great. That's great. Well, yeah, uh, no fans at in the uh, at the games, unfortunately. But I mean, it really it is, it is what it is. It's going to be. I'll be on the radio. Jerry will be on Big West TV, so there'll be ways to listen to and watch the Gauchos. And uh, the field looks great. Uh, yes, it does. Just, Thank you, Kevin. I'm just. I'm pumped. I'm pumped, Andrew. I'm fired up. <laughs> Calling you by your first name, so that means I'm I'm jacked. <laughs> so, uh, any anything to add? Any any uh, any shout outs? Or are you just just ready to go? Yeah, shout out to the admins for pulling it off and getting it done. So it's been a they've they've been the all stars for the last ten months for us, getting our kids back into the situation. So. Um, and it's been a lot of work. A lot of people really, really worked hard. I hope, hope our kids and their families appreciate how much work has gotten into this in the background of people going above and above and beyond to give their kids a chance to play. So, um, we're, we're proud of our school and what they've been able to do and the opportunities they've been able to give our kids. So looking forward to playing somebody else. Okay. That's head coach, Andrew Checkett's Gauchos playing baseball this Friday at Caesar Wasaka stadium, three o'clock. So be sure to tune in. Checks, thanks a bunch. Thanks, Kev.
All right. David Tillotson and Spencer Stewart are here. You guys are back. It's 2021, first appearance on the pod in the new year, and it's an exciting week. It's a week that we, you know, certainly back in March of last year, it seemed like we were never going to get to this week, but here we are. Game day is, we're recording this on Monday night, so five days away, four days away, whenever you're listening to this, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It's it's so close, we can almost taste it. Um I'm I'm excited. You guys are excited. The whole staff is excited. The whole community is really excited. But how how are you guys? Are you guys chomping at the bit, or are you unprepared, Spencer? I'm prepared. I've been prepared since <laughs> uh, since we got back in October. I think uh, obviously the season, the way that we started out in the fall um, with you know practicing all different and continuing you know, mass practices and you know, we're getting tested every week. Um, it's, uh, it, yes, like you said, so close, we can almost taste it. Uh, it's, it's, it's coming up. We're very excited. Um, I feel prepared. I, I think our, our, our team looks prepared. I think guys are starting to, to get into that mindset of, hey, there's, there's some games to be played. And while this week, may feel like a buildup. Um, we'll take it like any other week and uh, and be ready to compete come Friday. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think guys have been ready to, to play somebody besides themselves for a while now. We lost the opportunity in the fall to get those uh, scrimmages against other schools that we had had uh, in years past. So I think guys are ready to see some new arms, maybe sick of our, our hitters are probably a little sick of seeing our staff considering sort of the, uh, the accolades that they've built up. But um, yeah, I'm just ready to kick the season off. Uh, it's, it's crazy to believe it's finally here. Um, and that, you know, barring anything crazy that happens, uh, we'll, we'll be playing baseball here in four days. Yeah. Every, every year, it seems like the, the week, before the season starts there's the discussion of all right we finally get to see a different color different different people different players on the field but in this case it's man we haven't seen anybody since march it's almost been a full calendar year so it's even you know it's it's accentuated that much that it's literally been a, a year since since we saw another team uh in the other dugout so we want to try and preview the the upcoming season and and keep it as concise as possible. Gauchos have scheduled 58 games. They will all be on the weekends. There will be no midweeks. We'll be playing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every weekend. And it starts with this upcoming weekend, February 19th, first game of the year and the first series of the year against the Santa Clara Broncos out of the West Coast Conference. Uh, but first... I want to get some perspective from you guys on the first scrimmages that we've had since returning from winter break, who have been some, some standouts to you. Cause I think it's been, it's been some pretty good baseball, especially this past weekend uh, with the guys focused in Spencer, you mentioned that you can see the, a different level of focus in the players where they know that it's, it's go time, you know, within, within a week. So I think the pitching performance has been good. We've seen some excellent hitting. We've seen some excellent defense and things are starting to shape up. So 
let's see, Spencer, what, what kind of uh, stuff on the mound have you seen that has been muy bueno? Um, well, a lot of punchies. We love our punchies and uh, guys are getting about, it's uh, I think right now 11 and a half strikeouts per nine. Um, so we're getting about a strikeout an inning and um, it's because our pitching staff is working their tails off to, uh, to execute good pitches, um, keep up the strike percents um, and really be aggressive on the mound. Um, I think in the fall, uh, everybody was kind of feeling out getting back to the games. A lot of people, like you had said, haven't played since um, early March of 2020. So the fall kind of was an interesting start where um, guys weren't in the zone as much as they should have been. Um, some hitters maybe not taking their best at bats. And like you had mentioned, it's been really good baseball recently in the scrimmages that we've been playing um, on the pitching side, on the hitting side. Um, but what it comes down to is just being aggressive and, and sticking to the game plan for, for our pitchers. And I think that in the last week, two weeks, they've done an incredible job with that. So, yeah, one guy who was obviously a, a key part of the rotation last year, he was a 13 ball American, Zach Tora. And there was a moment in one of his scrimmage appearances. I think it was last week after like five hitters, I think he, he struck out four of the five and used minimal pitches and was getting first pitch strikes. And I, I made a mental note. I was like, man, Zach looks like he's picking up where he left off when we finished the season. Is that something that you've seen? Oh yeah. Um, we know that he's got um, a couple plus pitches in his arsenal um, pitches that could definitely play uh, in the professional realm. Um his fastball. I mean, I, I get to sit behind home plate for all these scrimmages. And when his, when his outing comes about, you know that you're going to be seeing some legit stuff. Um, hitters are up there. They're more defensive than I think any pitcher um, they face. Uh, his curveball sharp, his slider's quick, and his fastball is by you before you know it. Um, and those are fun to watch. And then he's been working hard to, to get his changeup developed. And um, he's getting a couple really good, really good results with that as well. So He's, he's looking awesome, like you said, right where he left off. Um, and so look, look out for, for Zach again this year. He'll be, a, he'll be a big name in the Gaucho rotation, no doubt. Yeah, and Chris Troy, who was lighting up the radar gun at the end of the fall, we had him up to 99 on that scrimmage that we live streamed, which is a, a big success. And he's, he's been sharp as well. And he's even thrown a, a breaking pitch, which – is this it's dynamite when it comes from a, I'm a guy like Chris Troy, who's intimidating on the mound and throwing it in the upper nineties. So he'll be effective out of the back end of the bullpen. Would you not agree? Oh yeah. Uh, Chris is, we were all hoping to see um, kind of how his development, because we know he was very, very patient with the way he came back from his injury. Um, and, and he did a very, very good job of retaining his health. Uh, looking out for himself and knowing that um, there's a bigger picture um, for him. And uh, sometimes he even mentions it. He's like, it's right now I'm not, I'm feeling like I'm not throwing all that hard and you're watching 95, 96 on the gun. Um, and he's gotten up even higher than that in these fall scrimmages. Uh, and we haven't even seen the real game time Chris Troy yet. So uh, 
he'll be he'll be another guy to look out for. Honestly, all these pitchers came back from winter break um, healthy, ready to go, looking game ready. Um, I don't know what the, what in their mentality clicked, but um, they've been fired up and ready to go since uh, since the start. So I'm really looking forward to w- watching these guys get out there this weekend. All right, on the hitting side, we've had a lot of bright spots as well. Tilly, and I, I was thinking of this guy, and we were having a conversation in the dugout, I think yesterday, because we were talking about Austin Bush, who had a lot of power. And there is a guy on, on the Gauchos who's a new face. He's, he transferred in from a JC who's got similar power, at least in my eyes so far. And he, exp- he has shown that in, his, in the first couple of scrimmages uh, out of the winter break, and that's Brock Mortensen. Uh, a name you haven't heard yet on the podcast and a name that I think we will be talking about this year because he's, he's putting the ball over the fence. And that's something that the Gauchos like to do in 2019 when they won a Big West championship. And he swings from the left side. And that's something that the Gauchos will need to have uh, come the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, Spencer said our, our pitching staff has had quite a bit of success, but our offense has had uh, an equal amount of success as well. I think 10 home runs in our uh, winter scrimmages since coming back from winter break. Um, and, and Brock is, is not one that's short of contributing to that list. I think he's had two, he had uh, one that was off of the power plant out in right field, just a, a moonshot. Um, but the ball also has been aided by mother nature a little bit in some of these scrimmages, some, some wild winds, uh, blown out to right field helps inflate those statistics maybe a little bit, but like I said earlier, I mean, going up against this pitching staff with guys like McGreevy and Tora and Boone, uh, and then Chris Troy and Roberts and Dan and, and all of those guys coming out of the bullpen, it's just not really fair to have to go get up against those guys for nine straight innings week after week after week when, other teams might only have to see them, you know, for three games. So four games in in, in this year. But uh, I, I just I'm excited to see these guys get their opportunities to to, to see some new arms, uh, and I'm excited to keep seeing the ball leaving the yard like it used to in 2019. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I I did not mention that Mother Nature has. If you're in Santa Barbara, it's you know been, that it's, it's been windy. windy. It has it been was a windy, windy weekend. Regardless of the wind, though, um, balls have been coming in from the pitching side and they're going out just as hard on the offensive side. So good pitches being executed and guys taking really good hacks and getting some barrel on it. Um, Whether or not you have mother nature and wind backing you up uh, 103 miles an hour off the bat is going to be tough to keep in the park. So hats off to our offense. They've, uh, they've been making it tough for some of our pitchers, no doubt. Well, it's, it's hard to name every guy. We don't want to name every guy uh, on this. It's, it's hard not to, but when you lead with a guy who is a, is a new face, you got to show some love to, to the returners. Uh, Marcos Castanon, he hit an opposite field home run the other day. He was psyched about that. Uh, and he's obviously, he's, he's putting it over the left field fence routinely. He looks great. Uh, I think he has matured a lot. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Marcos is going to do this year. Uh, Mason Marquez consistently showing up on the, the hard hit ball analytics category, just exit Velo up the wazoo uh, and, and Jordan Sprinkle. He swung about really well in the fall and he has continued that in the, the first few winter scrimmages. He had a good day, uh, a good couple of days over the weekend. 
And, and we love seeing McLean O'Connor do his thing. Uh, Steel Ledford being a pest on the base paths. Uh, and Nick Vogt. Nick Vogt, I think he had, he's got a, a homer as well. And, and he's swinging the bat well. Two homers. You guys are flashing some twos. One off the left field foul pole and one uh, definitely Mother Nature aided off the uh, or outside of right field. I think it was only like 89 miles an hour off the bat. Just nice, nice old pop fly that caught a breeze going out. But yeah, okay. they all count. The, they all count the same way in the scorebook. And uh, one other guy I wanted to mention is uh, Cole Cummings, who's come in swinging a hot stick. Yeah, I think he's up around 500 for our scrimmages this year. So he's another guy that's been definitely uh, swinging it really well. Yeah, they're making it hard on the coaching staff to make a decision on who's going to be in the lineup. And that's a good problem to have because Gauchos are going to be playing four games on the weekends for most of the season. The first series is just a normal three against Santa Clara. But the uh, series, and we'll, we'll run through the, the schedule here uh, in just a moment, but most of the series will be doubleheaders. So you're going to be playing two games on Saturdays uh, four games in those three days. So the coaches will have opportunities to mix and match the lineups and, and get guys at bats on a routine basis, which is good, uh, especially when you're going to have a lot of depth uh, on the offensive side of things and in the bullpen. So that being said, 58 games. We start with Santa Clara, then Pepperdine for four next weekend. Uh, then it's Oregon for four at home, San Francisco for four at home, and then they gouches start Big West play against Cal State Fullerton at Goodwin Field on March 19th. It's a 40-game Big West schedule, four-game series each weekend in the Big West, and gouches will be on the road at Fullerton, Hawaii, UC San Diego, Long Beach, UCLA, sorry, UC Riverside, uh, and then at home against UC Davis, CSUN, Cal Poly, UC Irvine, and Cal State Bakersfield. And if two names sound unfamiliar, yes, UC San Diego and Cal State Bakersfield are new members of the Big West. So there's 11 total members, 10 series total, four games each, so 40-game conference series. And that means it's it could be really exciting down the stretch um, with – the usually good baseball that's played in the big West, it's going to be competitive uh, when we go down the stretch and more games means more parity, more, more opportunities for, for teams, you know, to, to climb the ladder. So it'll be, it'll be exciting. And the Gouches have a tough test to, to start off the year in the big West at Fullerton at home against Davis. And then at Hawaii, those are their first three uh, home series. Um, and then there is a non-conference series against UCLA in there in the beginning or middle of May. But let's, let's just preview the, the first couple weekends real quick against Santa Clara and Pepperdine, teams from the West Coast Conference who had uh, great records last year. They were combined 24-8 and eight, uh, with a couple of, of big wins combined between those two teams. And then we will circle – We'll have each one of you guys circle a series that you guys think will be pivotal for the outcome of the season. Um, but let's go with Santa Clara. So 12 and five last year out of the West coast conference. And they have uh, the younger brother 
of a former gaucho, Matt Jew, who is the brother of Tommy Jew. So he'll be here um, playing for the Broncos. But good good side. Uh, Santa Clara, they, they were kind of down for a couple years. And then last year, 12 and 5. They, had, they have uh, a guy who hit seven home runs. It looks like they have a couple solid pitchers. Uh, should be a, a, a good opponent for the Gauchos on opening weekend. Absolutely. I was taking a look over their roster. Um, and I think that uh, one of the things that is going to be a difference maker, obviously, uh, with you know the limited amount of uh, rounds that they had in the draft last year, um, there's going to be a lot of senior leadership. Um, so I, I'm looking for a couple of their seniors to kind of to, to you know show the young guys the ropes, but also be a presence on the field. Um, you know, ourselves, we have we got McLean O'Connor at short. We've got Connor Dan, Connor Roberts in the bullpen. Couple a uh, couple older guys who uh, who definitely lead by example for our team. But um, I was looking over; they got a couple strong pitchers coming out. Um, there was Alex Waldsmith. You got Matt McGarry. A couple flamethrowers for the Broncos. Um, both redshirt seniors. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what the what the rosters are looking like. If there's any, you know, young guys getting the chance to play. I'm assuming that it's mostly going to be the vets on the team that are kind of starting off that first week and um, hoping to set the stage for the rest of the season for those guys. Uh, regardless, though, um, the West Coast Conference is it's good California baseball, uh, good West Coast baseball. The uh, the Broncos, they had a, a great start to the year, as did Pepperdine. Um, and I think uh, it's going to be two very good series for us to start off our 21 campaign. Yeah, and real quick, I just want to mention because of the draft, there were only five rounds, and because players get uh, were able to get another year of eligibility, eligibility. So guys that would have graduated got another year of eligibility, and then everybody else pretty much got a red shirt. So most of these teams will be returning all of their players. Is is what my assumption will be because there has been such a limited opportunity to play elsewhere outside of college baseball. So we're, we are discussing this with the assumption that most of these teams will return uh, many of their players from last year. So when we mentioned guys like uh, for Santa Clara, Jake McNichols, who hit seven homers in 17 games last year and Cole kitchen, who had a 1.35 ERA and uh, 17 strikeouts in 13 and the third innings, we're assuming that they will probably be back in uniform for the Broncos. Um, we still don't know for sure, but that's just a – we just want to make sure that people know. So, Santa Clara, they had 17 homers as a team in 17 games, and they had a 3.50, a very respectable ERA uh, as a team as well. So, good, good, solid opponent. Tilly, you got anything? Yeah, I think just kind of matching that on the offensive side. I mean, like you said, expecting some some big bats in the lineup to be back. Um, that's going to be the story of the season, though. Everybody's going to have seniors and juniors that have played uh, last year and, and probably years before that significant roles. So uh, it'll just be interesting to see how games play out. You're going to have a lot of good baseball going on at the college level um, with experienced players that know how to play both sides of it. Yeah, looking over Santa Clara's schedule last year, they went all the way to Athens, Georgia to play the Bulldogs. They lost three of four, but 
other than that, I mean, 12 and five, that's getting it done. They swept San Jose state. They beat Stanford in a midweek. They beat Cal Poly in a midweek and they swept Cal state Bakersfield uh, as well. So yeah, it should be a fun series uh, this weekend. Obviously it's going to be fun because we're playing baseball for the first time in 11 months. Um, but it's nice to have a good opponent uh, on the other side of the field. So next week, Pepperdine, we will be on the road on Friday. That's a 1.30 first pitch uh, at Eddie D. Field Stadium in Malibu, and then it'll be a doubleheader at home at Cesar Wasaka Stadium on Saturday and then back to Malibu on Sunday against the Waves, who got a lot of press last year from their start to their season. They were 12 and three overall and included in those 12 wins uh, were wins against Minnesota, Oregon, uh, FIU, and the uh, reigning, not reigning, but the uh, previous year's runner up Michigan in which they took two of three uh, in a home series against Wolverines. But what do you guys got on, uh, on Pepperdine? Spencer? Pepperdine, Pepperdine's definitely the favorite um, for the West Coast this year. Um, those guys, uh, they're coming, they're coming with vengeance, and like we had mentioned, they got a lot of returning guys. Um, they had four players selected to the All West Coast Conference um, preseason team: um, outfielder Reese Alexiades, uh, utility player Billy Cook, infielder Aaron Wadlin, and right-handed pitcher, pitcher Cooper Chandler, who posted a. 1.00 ERA among starting pitchers last year. Um, they got some dudes coming back. It'll be uh, it'll be great competition, and I think that as I keep going back to this, that senior leadership is uh, crucial for a lot of the, um, the the new guys coming into the team. And you know, those are the ones that are setting the stage and and trying to uh, to influence those younger guys as best they can. So. Um, they've got some studs. We know that we've had some really fun uh, games, competition against them. They're, they're an opponent that we see every year. Um, and every year, it seems like both us and, 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 and Pepperdine are uh, just getting better. So um, more fun baseball to come with those guys. Yeah, like you said, um, they had a great great success last year going 12-3. and three. They were top 40 in ERA. They were top 40 in batting average, and they were top 40 in slugging. So, I mean, they, they had some good offensive statistics. They had some good pitching statistics last year. And assuming a lot of those guys are back, like you would expect to see it again. Um, as we've been talking about this, I've just been getting more and more excited. This is my first taste of Big West baseball this year. I, it obviously got cut short last year. Uh, with last year being my first year with the team. And then this is also, um, aside from a fall scrimmage last year against Pepperdine, my first taste of sort of the rivalry with uh, with these guys down in Malibu. So it'll be fun to to get to see these guys for four games. And uh, I'm just looking forward to, to getting to play some baseball, like I've been saying. Yeah, lots of good matchups with the Waves in the past. There have been like midweeks at the end of the season where – both teams are, are vying or on the bubble for uh, an at-large bid or, or fighting for RB, RPI points. And yeah, both, both, both schools have had uh, a lot of success. Coach Hertensteiner has been great uh, with the waves and uh, they're always fun to play. And it's, it's always a great drive. Absolutely. Always a great bus ride down to, to Malibu. So uh, obviously looking forward to that. Um, Okay, to finish it off, 
man, I, I Tilly, you only have 15 games in your belt. I'm just realizing that you weren't here at 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're in for a treat in for a treat. Uh, can you guys pick out one series that you think will be uh, pivotal for the year? Um, looking forward. Tilly, I'll let you start. I have a feeling we might have the same one, but I'm looking forward to UCLA. Um, the It's going to be a nice tune-up, um, assuming everything goes kind of the way it's been predicted in the preseason. UCLA is, I think, number two in the polls or in most polls right now. And um, with us being 11 on D1 baseball and as high as eight, um, I forget which poll that was in, but uh, just looking forward to that matchup great staffs on both sides uh last year we we got the better of them in the midweek uh we obviously didn't get to play them for in the latter half of the season to kind of settle the score in that series but with it only being a three-game set there will be a, a decided winner so uh just looking forward to that and and handling our business there uh and another i think it's a, a home and away uh series with two there and one here correct so it'll be friday night on uh, May 14th at UCLA, then it'll be Saturday the 15th at Caesar Soccer Stadium, and then in, on Sunday the 16th back at UCLA. And yeah, th- there should be there should be some fire in that series, even though it's late in the year. I'm sure the Bruins uh, will not forget what the Gauchos did. And there's been some banter led by Shane Bieber, who is, does not shy away from letting uh, his his fellow and former teammates uh, with the Indians. Um, how the Gouches have handled the Bruins over the last couple of years. So uh, we've got backing by Shane Bieber, reigning AL Cy Young uh, award winner uh, for that series. So that should be fun uh, at the end of the year. Tilly or uh, Spencer, you got one that that stands out for you? Uh, well, like Tilly said, it, it's, you know, UCLA was going to be a fun one last year going four and against the PAC 12 um, was something we would have liked to, uh, to continue to prove. Uh, our success against them and, and keeping the success throughout the year. But um, I'm going to take the, uh, the series at Hawaii. Um, I think that that is a, uh, you know, Hawaii is, while it is, uh, you know, right by the water, obviously it's uh, be kind of familiar for our guys, but also a tough test going across sea. And, um, you know, with the, with the time difference uh, schedules kind of tweak a little bit guys, mental clocks, just altered a tad. Um, so it's going to take a little bit of adjusting for them. And I think it'll be a good test. Um, not only, you know, physically playing against these guys, but uh, mentally to kind to, you know, just focus in. There's been a lot of buzz around Hawaii. Uh, whatever they're doing over there in the islands has uh, been drawing some attention from local riders and um, they're coming out. I guess they got a real good, uh, real good roster that um, that's going to be a tough test. And uh one of the Gauchos' bigger competitors um, for a hopeful uh, Big West title. So, um, you know, that's the end goal. That's that's one of our goals. Um, it's a stepping stone to to the ultimate destination, and uh, I think Hawaii will be a uh, will be one of those rungs on the ladder to get to uh, to get to our ultimate goal. Yeah, Hawaii last year nine and six. They they really should have won two of three uh, on the road at Vanderbilt. Uh, they kind of got hosed in. in the ninth inning and wound up losing in extras in one of those games. And then they, they won three or four uh, against, against the ducks uh, also an opponent of the gauchos this year. Um, so, and Hawaii had a draft pick as well. 
uh, it's funny. We're going to be picking out like, oh, this team had one draft pick in the in the five round draft uh, last year, but uh, Hawaii did have one, um, and they had some good arms last year as well. And then just going to the islands, it's it's tough. It's a tough place to play. It's hard to hit there. The wind blows. Uh, it's humid. Usually there is a big crowd. We anticipate that there probably won't be a crowd in Hawaii. There won't be any fans for the, uh, for the time being uh, in big West conference games in Cal in the state of California. Um, but when you mention the Hawaii series, it's kind of in the, it's not exactly right smack in the middle of the season, but it's still kind of in the early stages. It's the, uh, the third series in, in big West play. And it is in that spot of the schedule. And this is all hypothetical as we haven't played a game yet, but two years ago, in 2019, when the Gauchos were on the road at Tulane, I, I talked a lot about how that series, the way that they performed, the way that they came back, the way that they battled uh, offensively, defensively, and on the mound, it was a, a series that really told a lot of people, all right, the Gauchos are for real, uh, sweeping that series against Tulane on the road. And if the Gauchos can go into Hawaii and have a lot of success early on in the Big West season, especially considering that eight of their first 12 games are on the road uh, that could be huge and pivotal into the, the final outcome of the season. So uh, good picks there, UCLA. I, I gave you the benefit of the doubt there, Tilly, by going first. Uh, and then a, a solid pick, I think, Spencer, because those are the two that I had, had circled, uh, Hawaii and UCLA. All right, that's your season preview. For the time being, we'll have Spencer and Tilly on probably multiple times throughout the year to talk about the games. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to have this podcast platform to, to discuss the goings-on and the previous games and what we're seeing from certain guys. Like, uh, I'm, I'm really fired up, and this is, kinda, this is one of the reasons why we built this podcast. Um, and we've got two guys who get it. And, and are there every step of the way. So we should have some good conversation. Uh, all right. Who, who's been better? Who's been better? Do you guys, do you guys like argue back and forth? Like pitching is better or the, or the offense is better since Spencer, you do the pitchers, David, you do the hitters, or is it just all mutual and everything's good? Hey, our team is, our team is better because of uh, the work that Tilly's doing. That guy kicks butt <laughs> every day. So Hats off to that guy. He's at the field later than everybody else. And uh, and uh, I think that our team is definitely going to benefit from the work that he's doing. So hats off to you, Tilly. Um, I don't think we have any rivalries because he and I have the same goal. We just want to help uh, help these guys get better best they can. So um, we're ho hopefully hopefully some of our hard work pays off. Um, ultimately, though, it is uh, it's, it's what those guys do on the field um, that's going to be the difference maker this year. So um, only time will tell, but we're, we're both very fired up. I can tell you that. Wow. No inner staff rivalry, huh? Uh, I, I don't have any, keep it close any... to the chest. That's fine. That's... <laughs> <laughs> we'll let the stats speak for themselves at the end of the year. Hopefully we're on top in both offensive and pitching oh. statistics. Boom. There we go. We'd love to hear it. All right. First game. It will be on uh, Big West TV, and it will be streaming online, ucspgouches.com. I will be on play-by-play, -play, and Spencer and Tilly will probably be on 
on the radio calls as well. Uh, you can listen to Jerry and Bob on, on the TV side. But 3 o'clock, Friday, February 19th, Gauchos against Santa Clara Broncos as we kick off the 2021 season. Let's go! Okay, introducing Spencer Erdman. That's E-R-D-M-A-N to the listeners. Spencer Erdman. First time on a podcast? Yeah, first time. Wow. We were the new Gaucho volunteer assistant coach. You got here in January. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. January. You're you're the new kid on the block or the new coach on the block. Uh you're you're coaching the the infielders and you're right now you're coaching third base in scrimmage cuz uh, Matt Fontino he sustained an injury in practice and he's on the sidelines but uh, you're filling in very nicely and uh we're we're happy to have you on staff and we're happy to have you on the Gaucho Nine podcast so let's get a little background cuz people want to know um you're not wearing a flannel i thought the flannel would make an appearance but you said the flannel doesn't want the smoke yeah, that's correct. The flannel, it's a it's a game day attire. So <laughs> Well, I feel like you wear a flannel every day. It's cuz every day is game day. What are we talking about? <laughs> every day. Do you so do you have like a different color flannel for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? No, I don't. I'm not that sweet. It's just the same one. Well, I have I have a few different ones, but I don't, I don't plan it out. I, I put on a flannel and I, I skate on into practice and I get ready to go. I love it. I love it. Okay. So where does, uh, where does Spencer Erdman hail from? Where'd you play your college ball? Uh, I'm from San Jose originally. And I played at Santa Barbara city college for Jeff Walker. I like to say that he saved my baseball career twice because out of high school, I didn't get recruited and he'll, he allowed me to come play at uh, Santa Barbara City College. And then, again, as a coach, he he was the first one to offer to bring me on to staff and let me learn from him and help out the best I can. So I'm very appreciative to him. And then after I finished playing at Santa Barbara City College, I played at LMU under Jason Gill, who is now the head coach at USC. And I learned a lot from both of those those guys. So they gave me a lot of support both on and off the field and they've been big mentors for me. So. So you are very familiar with Santa Barbara having played at Pershing park for two years, different experience than, than at UCSB, but Pershing is great. And the Santa Barbara city college experience is great. And a handful of gauchos have come from Santa Barbara city college. So what was it like playing uh playing JC ball in Santa Barbara? Oh, it was the best. I, I loved I loved the town and I loved the the team I played for and all the guys I played with. So, you know, there's there's no hiding at the purse. You gotta work hard and in order to get things done, you know, some days you show up and uh the plan will change on the fly. So you definitely learn to just go with it and as long as you're working hard, you're gonna be able to get through any adversity. Uh, that comes your way and you'll get a lot of that in junior college. So I definitely earned my stripes. So when you went to LMU, did, did the Gauchos play LMU while you were there? I imagine that 
we did because we seem to play LMU every year. Yeah, funny enough, we played them twice my senior year. We played them in the fall, and we lost poor, like very badly. And uh, Jason Gill at the time, Gilly, he let us know that that wasn't okay. <laughs> and he held it over our heads because we were opening up first weekend. We were playing a series against Santa Barbara. And so getting getting uh, shut out on your home field was unacceptable for him. And uh, for good reason, you know, he had every right to, to push us hard. And I think he used it to put a little chip on our shoulders as a, a team. And I mean, I tell you what, we were seeing red by the time we got to that first weekend and we ended up taking two or three from the Gauchos. So was this, was this 2017? That is correct. 2017. Wow. So 20, 2017 was the year it was supposed to be in Santa Barbara, right? And Caesar was flooded and it was torrential rain all weekend. So we moved the series to LMU. So I, I remember this distinctly and we started on Thursday, right? Yeah, we had to petition to start the season a day early. Yeah. We had to contact the NCAA and uh, ended up having the first home run of the season be uh, in Clay the Fisher. first inning. Clay yeah. Fisher. Yeah, Fisher, lead off Jack to just, just start off right. And uh, you heard a lot of oh boys that day. Looking <laughs> looking forward to the challenge. Uh, yeah, I remember that because that was, that was the, the year after the Gauchos went to the College World Series and we, we moved the, the game up a day and said, all right, the Chosen Alliance, they get a day in the limelight. It's the only college baseball game going on. So everybody's going to be watching, and, and Fish hits the tank over the monster, and I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together like, yes, here we go again. But uh, it played out as it played out, and the Gauchos uh, lost two of three in that series. But so you, at LMU, you were an infielder, and you are currently coaching the infielders. What position did you play primarily? I play I played shortstop at LMU. Shortstop. So do you, does it require, does the shortstop position require some flair in order to be good? No, it doesn't. In my, honestly, I don't think so. I think that the shortstop position requires a lot of leadership capabilities, um, excellent communication, a lot of toughness and consistency and daily effort. You know, you gotta, you gotta show up every day and, and play hard and represent what it means to be a, a quality infielder. So that's what I learned at uh, LMU. At, and now I'm just trying to instill that in the guys at, uh, at UCSB. So I, I know you, you haven't had a whole lot of time with the guys. We're still, still learning each other and, and learning about the players. And, and there's a lot of infielders. Again, with the big roster, we've got a lot of players. We've got a lot of players. Uh, but we have a lot of talent as well. Um, and what you just described sounded a lot like McLean O'Connor. Um, do you see a lot of similarities in yourself with McLean? No, McLean's way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, McLean does stuff on the field that I can never do. I, uh, I watch him play the game, and I'm, I'm just like, man, he's good. He's really good. No, he, McLean is exactly what i'm talking about he is a prime example of a, a quality leader and someone you you are proud to uh just watch play and have on, on the team he's uh he's all around good guy and 
he makes a lot of plays and he plays really hard all the time and as competitive as it gets and as consistent as it gets. So there's nothing more I could ask for out of a, a shortstop. And honestly, uh, coaching these players and just in general, I learn more from uh, coaching the players than I'm sure I teach them. So I'm just lucky to be a part of it. Yeah, I was not anticipating that answer. That was great. Thank you, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um. Okay, so what what kind of goals do you have for uh, for these guys this year? Are you? Is it? I want you get. I want to get an answer like like something that you are trying to teach them or trying to coach them on based on goals. Okay, so I would say that as a team, the goal is just to maximize our potential. You know, I don't think that you can necessarily put. Uh, one specific goal in mind is like, this is what we're trying to accomplish. I think that those come with daily effort and daily focus and just trying to get a little bit better each day, just like Chex always talks about, you know, and Chex is doing a hell of a job leading the, leading the charge. And we're all pretty lucky to just be a part of the system. So it, it's a, it's a well-oiled machine. And for me as the infield coach, you know, the goal is definitely daily effort, daily focus, consistency, and a willingness to get better. And if we can do that, then I think the results will take care of themselves. And we should be in a position to be a really good group by the end of the year because we have a lot of talented players. Okay, so uh, uh, Dylan Jones, we got to show some love to, to Dylan. He's, he's not on this pod. He was on one at the end of the fall, but he's the one who coaches the catchers ultimately. Yeah, but Mason Eng, I, mean, I was really impressed with Mason last year because he he wasn't the starter on opening day. He wasn't, you know, it didn't look like he was going to get a whole lot of playing time, but he got a chance and he took advantage of it. He had a, a big hit against Sacramento State in extra innings to, to seal a win. And then he just, he seized that catching position uh, and didn't let it go in, in the short shortened season last year but man he is he impressive been impressive throwing the baseball from behind home plate so far in the spring yeah mace does a great job he throws darts to second base they're right over the bag it's like a 2-0 205 to to second consistently he he blocks well receives well he just uh he really embraces who he is you know he's he's exactly what you want out of a a baseball player as a coach he's consistent and shows up every day and does his job and he doesn't try and do more than what he is capable of. And I always tell the infielders, and same goes for uh, the offense. You know, we don't we don't need heroes. We don't need superhero efforts. We just need you to be yourself and play as hard as you can. And that's that's good enough. And Mason Ang is a really good representation of that. And I tell you what, he, I mean, we run a lot. We run a lot in practice. And Mason Ang throws us out <laughs> all the time. We're lucky to get the mulligans during practice because most of the time we're caught stealing. <laughs> he's 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 been up to the task, up to the task. Yeah, and if if uh, if Coach Fontina was on this, we'd be we'd be talking about base running. Uh, how he, he's just a, a man, a fiery base running coach. Like I've never seen anyone coach base running like Coach Fontino has. And has he has any of his base running stuff rubbed off on you because it's something that I, I took for granted as a player. I 
hated first and thirds and I hated doing still jumps like before or at the beginning of practice. It's definitely something I took for granted. But now that I'm on kind of the outside looking in, I recognize it as essential, uh, especially since Matt has been here and all the things that I've learned from him, just watching him coach and watching the result on the field when we're actually playing baseball games. Yeah, absolutely. I, I learn stuff from Matt every single day. Same with Chex and uh, DJ and all the, the analytics guys and even even you, um, I learn stuff from. So I'm definitely happy to be a part of the staff. And Fontino, his, he's passionate about not only base running, but just everything. I mean, the guy – the guy is uh, full steam ahead every every day, and um, it's definitely a good example for me to try and follow in his footsteps. And so I'm just trying to keep up with him because, I mean, he wants these guys aggressive on the bases, and he wants them – attention to detail is huge. And so he doesn't miss anything. That That's one thing that I've really noticed is, I mean, he – when he watches the game, it, it must move in slow motion because – He's calling out every guy for everything that they're doing right and wrong. It just, it's great. It, it's, he really does a good job of holding the guys accountable and still making sure to reinforce that we're doing things the right way and gives a reason why. So I'm just uh, following his lead. Okay. Well, we're both really looking forward to the start of the season. Santa Clara, of a West Coast Conference foe that you may or may not be familiar with with uh from your days at LMU but uh it starts in a few days I can hardly wait I'm sure you can hardly wait um are you a surfer you big surfer yeah Yeah, I went surfing this morning actually okay where'd you go I went to Rincon oh man so how how was it were there any waves at Rincon uh I mean it was a short period as well so it was kind of all over the place but I got I got a couple waves okay you have any favorite places in in Santa Barbara? Well, since you were here at junior college, you you probably know the breaks. Are there any particular that stand out to you? Um, Other than Rincon, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, I I don't know if I should uh, blow up the the locals only spots or not. That's up. That's up to you. That's no, I'm just kidding. I uh, I I surf. Uh, I didn't really surf when I played baseball. I was all all baseball all the time. You know, I, I, I had to work really, really hard to be good at baseball cause I wasn't very talented. And so I put off all those fun leisurely activities until after I finished playing. And so coming back to coach, that's when I started to surf in Santa Barbara. So I've probably been surfing here for about two, two years now. And I would say that outside of Rincon, I do enjoy going to, uh, sands if I want to go to a beach break or if I drive a little bit further north I'll surf El Cap except the last time I surfed there I blew out my surfboard so oh. I'm, a little, I'm a little bummed about that oh, no. yeah I, I ended up getting like wedging it in between two giant boulders underwater and then I was walking around the point wondering like man where's my surfboard at like my surfboard's gone and then the tide went out and i saw it stuck in between these two giant boulders so well good thing it wasn't you spencer (laughs) that is true yeah (laughs) yeah so uh definitely definitely going for it man (laughs) that's great going for it on the on the baseball field and going for it uh when you're out in the ocean so well 
I've heard your golf game needs work. That's uh, another. That's for another time. We'll get to that. We'll work on that. But uh, we'll have to catch some waves um, at some point uh, during the year when we have enough time to do it or uh, after the season. But that's Spencer Erdman, our volunteer assistant coach with the UCSB Gauchos. Um, Spence, thanks for the time. Looking forward to seeing you on the practice field. Yeah, Kev, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. This was fun. All right. Spencer, talk to you soon. Go Gauchos. All right, thank you to our great sponsor, Kyle's Kitchen, and thank you to all of the guests, Coach Checkets, David Spencer, and Spencer Erdman. Just a, a great staff, and it's been fun working with them throughout this whole process. It's been a challenging year, and it's been great to have quality coworkers, coaches, and staff members uh, working alongside of you, so I can't thank them enough because they've been contributors to this podcast as well. Okay, yeah, that's right. Friday, 3 p.m. against Santa Clara. It's a three-game set to kick off this season. Uh, no fans in the stands, unfortunately, but you can watch the games on Big West TV with Jerry Fall and Bob Bronsma. You can listen to the games on UCSBGauchos.com via Stretch Internet with uh, myself, yours truly, Kevin Cannon, uh, on play-by-play, and David and Spencer will also kick in for some color commentary. Uh, you can find that link by going to the schedule page on ucsbgouches.com and then clicking the headphone icon under the day's game, and you go to live events, and you can also listen to previous day's events if you go to uh, the on-demand uh, portal once you get into stretched internet. So watch the games on Big West TV. Listen to the games on ucsbgouches.com and then follow the Gauchos on Twitter and Instagram, UCSB underscore baseball. We've got a lot of great content going out, uh, anticipating the start of the year. And we're just, we're geared up and ready to go. We've got a talented team. we got a great schedule. Let's, let's go. <laughs> uh, I'm running out of things to say because I'm so excited, but uh, that'll do it for the podcast. We will talk to you on Friday from Caesar Wasaga Stadium, and then we'll have the podcast next week on Tuesday, recapping the first weekend of Gaucho Baseball in 2021. All right, see you then. That old wild-eyed girl in Santa